In the history of us owning the UFC, there's been one time that a guy hasn't shown up for his press conference, and it was Nate Diaz versus GSP. And uh, I pulled Nate Diaz from the fight. You can't not show up to promote your fight. You can't do it. Never give up on your dream. I mean, it's just, you can't do it. Be your own inspiration. Nobody is exempt from is, is promoting their fights. A beacon of self-belief. Muhammad Ali, Sugar Ray Leonard, Mike Tyson. Keep proving others wrong. And, and I mean, everybody promotes their fight. You have to do it. If your dream doesn't scare you, then it's not big enough. They may never fight again. Do you, are you concerned so about that? as big as you dare. We're now joined by John S. Nash of uh, BloodyElbow.com. Um, John, when we just look at the McGregor situation, it's obviously been a, a very big um, whole, I wouldn't say fiasco, but it's been a very drawn-out process between you know the retirement, the unretirement. Um, he's off the card. He's, he's seemingly back on the card now. What have you made of the whole situation um, as a process? And, and do you think there was ever any real legitimate feeling that he was ever going to retire or he was ever even off the card in the first place? Um, I mean, what I feel as a member of the media is, uh, which no one will probably admit, but we're all celebrating because we're we're planning our kids' college funds off the money we're making <laughs> off traffic off this. But uh, but I didn't uh, I didn't I didn't buy the retirement. As soon as he announced his retirement, I thought this was just a classic holdout. You know, pro athlete holdout. Uh, either he didn't want to do the. He really didn't want to do the promoting because it was like an athlete not wanting to show up for training camp uh, before the start of the season or he wanted more money, whatever reason. It just had that vibe of a holdout. And I, but I do buy that he's off 200 now. I, I, think it's a, I think it's pretty much official from the UFC that they're not going to put him off the UFC 200 card as much as he'd like to be on it. Do you think that's because... Uh, like, do you think it was any other card bar 200? Because I think 100 is still one of the most successful cards in UFC history. If it was just a regular event, do you think given how much that McGregor brings in on a live gate, it's almost about four times as as much as what some of the other um, big UFC superstars would be pulling in and, and then I'm sure pay-per-view numbers would, would have a similar correlation to that as well do you think if it was any other card that maybe UFC 200 with the significance of the event and also the strength of the card itself do you think if it was any other event they might be t- tempted to put them back on? Um, no I don't actually I think this is just their I, I think McGregor is trying to use the leverage he has and, and Two, UFC 200 gives them a little more leverage because they, you know, they already marketed he's in it, and it's going to be a huge event, and they, they want a, they want a huge event as a as just a branding thing to show how the UFC's arrived in the world. So they'd like to do as big numbers as possible to UFC 200. But if you remember when Fader Emelianenko was uh, negotiating back in 2009 to be in the UFC right after UFC 100. They predicted that fight between him and Brock Lesnar would, do, would blow away the UFC 100 numbers. Bigger pay-per-view, bigger gate. They wanted to sell at Dallas Cowboys Stadium. And the UFC turned down that fight, turned down Fader, because they didn't want to give in to his co-branding in Russia, where he'd be his company, M1, would be considered a co-promoter in Russia. And they didn't want to give in to his demands of only having like a two or three fight contract where you could leave afterwards so they they left money on the table there they that's the ufc's modus operandi is they will stick to their business plan because it's been so successful keeping the business model going that they will lose money in the short term to keep that business model going and they're going to lose money if they don't have connor fight 
but they'll still make money on their events, and they'll eventually recoup it on some future star. I think is that's their that's their way of thinking. I, I, I definitely. I think is once we see we see GSP step away, I think there's rumors of him coming back. But then, you know, GSP goes away, Anderson Silva goes away, John Jones, Ronda Rousey, Conor McGregor step in. It just seems to be that that star process that they're willing to stick with. And do you think there's any way that because they're so you, you mentioned Fedor there, they wouldn't give Fedor co-promotion, and they by all accounts they seem definitely not intent on giving Connor co-promotion as well. Do you think that it's to avoid, that they've learned the lessons of boxing, that you want to try and avoid that bureaucracy and as much problems that would stop the big fights from happening as possible? That And the fact that because they own the promotion and they can, for the most part, do whatever kind of fights they want as long as the fighters agree to it, that they do have that power of putting on the fights when the fans want to see the fights? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's... I don't think it's the bene- for benevolent sake that they're that they're doing it for the good of the sport i mean that's you know they're businessmen and they don't want to get into co-promotion because to get into co-promotion and give the power to the fighters means you've got to pay the fighters a lot more i mean look how much a boxer makes compared to an mma fighter you know a, even a miguel Cotto, forget mayweather and pacquiao miguel Cotto, the klitschko's uh canelo alvarez they're taking up you know 60 70 80 percent of all the revenue are going right to their pocket so it's as a promoter you, you kind of like the system as it is because you get to make a lot more money. But, John, if you're Dana, if you're Dana White, are you not a little bit disappointed that John Jones, especially from last weekend's performance, and, and Daniel Cormier, is, that's, you know, you have that instead of Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz? Oh, yeah. I mean, you'd love to have Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz. You'd make a lot more money. But they're still... I, I don't think it's that big a... It's not that big a hit, though. They would love him at 200, but they're still going to get Conor McGregor. I mean, unless Conor McGregor sticks to his guns and says, I'm never fighting again, I'm not caving in, he's going to come back because he can't fight anywhere else. The UFC is not making money with Conor sitting out. I mean, they're not they're not making as much money with Conor sitting out, but they're still making money. Conor is not making any money. So I imagine he'll come back, and I think that's the UFC's thinking. We might not have him at UFC 200, but we'll have him at 203 or 204, and we'll still make a lot of money. Now there's been there's been claims about uh, he's made he's his own self claims that he's made four hundred million dollars for the company. Surely that's not accurate, is it? Uh, no, I think he's being a little a uh, little generous. He might have he might have an economic footprint of four hundred million on his last three last three uh, fights. And when I mean that, it's not just UFC; it's the pay per view providers, it's Vegas, it's the hotels, it's all the travel. His three cards might have done that much business overall across all the different companies dealing with it. But, uh, yeah, he's not doing that much. for That would be two-thirds of all the UFC's business in one year coming from him. So our best estimates are from anywhere from 40 to $65 million an event is for his last three fights is what his fights generate for the UFC. Wow, and, and the average from what I've seen your breakdown, you did uh, must have been maybe a couple of months ago now. That the average UFC fight is twenty million, and he's he's pulling it in between forty and sixty million. Oh yeah, the average. I'll have I'm doing a breakdown. I'll probably publish something coming up where we broke down a pay per view. But the average pay per view is about twenty million. He's doing triple those numbers now, and which is triple you know triple profit. The UFC is just when he fights, the UFC is you know profit. Their EBITDA just skyrockets for the year. They get thirty million in EBITDA right there on top of what they had before. Yeah, absolutely. Would you have any idea of what... Because Vegas is a city that just seeming constantly has people coming in from all over the place, all over the world, for basically every weekend. But I'm assuming that fight weekends are bigger than most other ordinary weekends. Would you have any idea of what kind of impact... Because I've known before, even when you go back to Floyd Mayweather's domestic 
kind of violence charges that they even delayed his sentencing just so they could put on a fight you know Vegas seems like that type of city would McGregor fight have a, a much bigger impact on say Vegas and the local economy in Vegas oh yeah it has a it has a big impact in fact that's for a lot of Vegas shows, I don't think the UFC does this. For a lot of boxing events, though, the the casino pays a site fee instead of the ticket sales, and that they'll pay they'll pay the boxer more than what the ticket sales were because of all the big whales that come in, the gambling guys that come in and start gambling. They stay at, most people stay at that hotel, so you're getting making money off all the hotel rooms. They go out to eat. They start sitting at tables and gambling. And if you have a big event like a Conor McGregor that's bringing people in from overseas or from out of town. Those people spend more. I mean, how many? How often do you go to Vegas? So, mm. if you're from Ireland, and or from you know, if you're of Irish descent, because he has Irish fans all over the world, if you're Irish descent from you know Canada or from England, and you fly in, you're like, well, I'm in Vegas this one time. I'll blow a thousand dollars at the table. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, just with, with regards to the the loss to Diaz itself, um, you know, I think Connor basically had most of the first round and I think once those kind of shots didn't land and once the, he realised you know that Nate had a, probably a much bigger chin and could withstand a lot of his shots kind of a momentum shifted and Nate pounced on him how do you see the second fight going and playing out if it is to be happened if it is you know to happen some stage down the line and just on a loss what does the loss do for Conor's marketability and his I suppose his pull as a superstar in terms of finances well, for the fight itself, uh, the first fight, I, I I actually gave Diaz a really good shot. I think this is a kind of a, this is a real tough matchup for McGregor. This is a guy that has really good boxing, deceptively great boxing, uh, deceptively he and he gets you to fight his style. And McGregor fell into that the first time. He started throwing, you know, McGregor was throwing almost twice as many punches and getting hit twice as much that first round. And, and people don't realize how taxing and tiring that is. But I give McGregor a good chance. I. I thought it was 50-50 the first time, and I still think it's basically a 50-50 fight because it's a bad matchup for McGregor because the reach and the boxing skills that Diaz has, but McGregor's a smart fighter. He learns. I imagine he's watching the Josh Thompson fight. I imagine he's watching the Carlos Condit fight against Nick Diaz, Nate's brother, and he's looking at that and see what those guys did, and Connor has the footwork. Connor has the, the fight IQ. I think he could pull off something similar, but it's still it's a, it's a tough matchup for him. This is not... There's a lot of other fighters that he could take on that I think he'd have a much better chance against than, than Nate Diaz. This is one of his one of the hardest matchups for him. I, uh, as, as for his future, this is it. I mean, it's this is I shouldn't say this is it. He will still be a star in a draw, but two losses will really dent his superstardom. Uh, it's it kind of reminds me of you know Manny Pacquiao was still a star after he lost to Bradley and Juan Miguel Marquez but he wasn't as big a star. And that's kind of what McGregor's looking at. That's why I have a lot of sympathy for him for wanting to only focus on training because this is a, would be a massive detriment to his rise and his, and his stardom and his, his earning power potential in the future. Yeah, you just mentioned Pacquiao there and, and with the loss to the Bradley, the Bradley one was very kind of, you know, very kind of, a lot of people criticized that, the judging in that one. But the Marquez one, from from my memory, he got absolutely flatlined. It, you know, it wasn't even a knockout. It was it was completely it was brutal. You know what I mean? He was no coming back for that. Do you think that resonates with fans and also when people go to buy pay per views? If you're coming off a loss, not just a loss, but one where you've been, you know, cleanly knocked out, do you think that has a massive res resonates with fans with regards to pay per views? I think it does, and I think it does. I guess it depends on the type of star you are and how you're building up your stardom. 
I mean, some guys build up their startup on the fact that they're unbeatable. Uh, I think a Mayweather loss would have destroyed Mayweather's career. Any people aren't buying Mayweather because they like him; they're buying him because he's the best and that they want to see him lose. So any loss would have destroyed his earning powers. Uh, I think with someone like McGregor, where it's partly the personality, partly the charisma, and the talent level, it's he can survive one loss. It's the, but he has to come back. He has to prove he still has it. It's the second loss, someone like him. That you, then you start. He starts to lose his aura and his luster. He's not quite as interesting a figure. Going from that point, John, you never bought the retiring tweets. You didn't think he was ever going to retire on a, off a loss. Uh, I, I mean, I, I can imagine. I part of me, I guess, I could have imagined him retiring because of the death of that fighter, uh, Joao uh, uh, Cavallo. I could see that having an impact. You know, you, I, I could. He he put a Facebook statement out that you know that was really heartfelt. So maybe. There was part of me thinking, well, maybe that did, you know, impact him. But I guess 90% of my thinking was he's not really retiring. This is a ploy by him, basically calling the, you know, trying to call a bluff on the UFC. Like, if you don't come to my terms, I just won't fight. I mean, this is the only leverage he really has. His only leverage is holding out. Dana has said, you know, him and Connor kind of had direct contact. Do you not think that they have direct contact right now during this situation at all? They... Yeah, I don't. They sh- they should. You'd think, but I, I'm not sure. I don't. I don't know. If yeah, I'm, I've heard from other sources, and and this is not. I've, this is hearsay. I can't guarantee it. That Dana, as much as Dana denies it, Conor McGregor didn't like dealing with Dana for whatever reason, and he started dealing directly with Lorenzo. Okay, so he's kind of gone. You know, always gone probably one step up right to the top floor. Um, with regards to his own negotiations, then. Yeah, and then I, from from I, when uh, I think it was just recently came out too that. It was Lorenzo that made the call to pull Dan. I mean, to pull McGregor from the card too. So maybe that backfired. Wow, wow, that's that's uh, that would be massive. Um, just with regards to uh, one of the big things over here, and the fans have been clamoring for over here is a Crow Park fight. You know, but this this idea that Ireland's biggest stadium, like the fourth biggest stadium in Europe, would actually be able to hold an MMA fight, um, a McGregor fight. I don't think they've had a fight at Crow Park since Muhammad Ali. In the mid '60s, so it's been it's been a while since. Um, what I'm interested in, you mentioned there with, with the likes of Pacquiao frequently fought, fighting at Cowboy Stadium, and the draw that Vegas has, not only from a gate, but you know, being able to bring everyone into Vegas and and all the benefits that it would have from a financial point of view. Um, when you've looked at pay per views and stuff, one, how does the overseas pay per views go and the overseas Fox cards go compared to the US ones? And is there much of a disparity in numbers and pay-per-views? Would it still be would it be more beneficial than having say fifteen thousand in Vegas than say eighty thousand in Crow Park from a finances point of view? Yeah, it's um, it's I guess with the when you look at the pay-per-view numbers, whenever you play overseas, especially when there's a delay, uh, especially when if you're going to be in Ireland and you're going to have the show at you know prime time Ireland eight nine ten o'clock at night, that's going to be the afternoon in the U.S. And we, you see that pay-per-view numbers are less when it's in the afternoon. People want their, 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 their program they're used to. They buy those pay-per-views in the evening. So it'll take a pay-per-view hit. And pay-per-view is the big money generator for fights. So that's the, probably the biggest reason why the UFC would be hesitant to have a, an event, a major event like that, especially a major pay-per-view event in Ireland. Uh, and, and the other thing is the, the money that they make in Vegas, the gate is people will pay bigger t- tickets when they go to Vegas and the casinos pay extra money because of the people visiting. So you're competing with that. And that's why I, I don't think the UFC will have McGregor fight Croke Park 
uh, as much as they'd love to fill the arena. It's just it's they lose too much money. Is you can make ten, thirteen million on that gate at Croke Park, and they're still losing money because they're losing pay-per-view sales. The one possibility is if maybe there's a fighter, uh, his one of his upcoming fights is maybe not as interesting to the American audience. They don't think it'll do as well on pay-per-view. Then I could see them putting it in Croke Park because. People in Ireland might be interested in the Salt Arena, and they won't take that big a hit on pay-per-view. Just two more questions, John, just really quickly. Sure. Um, so basically, from what I understand, the crux of the issues with McGregor and this UFC 200 card was he wanted to focus as much as he could on fixing on the problems that he had in the first fight, and therefore, as a result, he wanted to sacrifice some of the media responsibilities that he has. From what I've understood, there's nobody in the history of the UFC that has had to do more promotion and more interviews and more media events than McGregor in the past. Do you think with all of the media stuff that he's had to do, do you think he's afforded any leeway, or do you think that you know if you have to, if you're gonna make this much money from fights, you have to take the good with the bad? Well, I, I guess I guess Ronda Rousey probably rivals him in media, but from what I understand, Ronda Rousey has a special side deal where she gets paid to do the the partly to be a representative representative of the UFC. So that changes a little bit the equation. Uh, it's it's a little. I mean, part of selling the fights is part of the job, but I mean, you talk to people in boxing, and I, I was talking to some boxing uh, promoters. They they're amazed at the amount of promotion that UFC fighters are required to do. Uh, in boxing, you know, the, maybe a couple months before, there might be a, an event that the, the boxers show up to, and then the week of the fight, the press shows up at their camps and, and reports live. But there's not this constant tour, there's not this constant press events that you see in the UFC. So it's that's a big difference. And I could see his point of view, and a lot of other fighters have the same problem, and his is even more, is that uh, the responsibility of promoting that I have to do, the model report, uh, of promoting I have to do takes me away from my primary job which is to get better and win fights and so it's a detriment so I see that that argument from I see it strong he has a very strong argument there I think and finally uh, UFC 200 or sorry UFC 197 on the weekend John Jones beating Ovin St. Peru Ovin seemed to be quite competitive for the first you know couple of rounds and then I suppose Jones kind of pulled away in the last couple of rounds but the co-main event Demetrius Johnson was absolutely clinical and just basically made very light work of Henry Cajudo. Um, after the fight, Joe Rogan said he was probably the best fighter he thinks in MMA at this moment. Um, Johnson, predominantly in the past, has been one of the weaker pay-per-view draws. Do you think how dominant his performances and then probably that also that endorsement by Joe Rogan, do you think that might help his, his pull in the future? Uh, it, I think it might help his pull. I think performance will help more than anything, that people will be interested in seeing him, you know, waylay people in the future. I, I think pay-per-view draw is a terrible metric, and it's something I wish MMA would get away from. That seems to be the only way we can rate a star. Mm. Uh, you know, because in boxing, not everybody does pay-per-views, but you, you see how many people tune into HBO or, you know, B-Sky or whatever whatever out there, and, and people, that's a, by ratings, is another, is another way to gauge who's a star. So not... I, Demetrius Johnson might not be a pay-per-view star, but I, and he might never be a pay-per-view star, but it's very possible he could be uh, an attraction that people want to tune in and see on, on fights on uh, FS1 or you know Fight Pass or, or Fox. And I wish people would start looking at that more than just pay-per-view. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. It's, it's, it's always going to be up against it, and it also kind of seems like the lighter weights, for whatever reason, would you agree with this, that the lighter weights are always kind of somewhat against it compared to, say, the, the light heavyweights, the welterweights, the, the heavyweight divisions? 
Yeah, I mean, traditionally, it's been a sport that's been built on, you know, it's it, a large number of fans of MMA. It's no secret or for wrestling fans, and I think it's uh, it's been how they like to see the biggest, strongest guys beat the heck out of each other. Yeah. And that's the draw for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's, it's it probably will take someone that maybe like a, a Mighty Mouse that's completely dominant and overwhelmingly dominant that maybe we might start seeing a shift in MMA towards some of the lower weight classes but uh, John it's kind of it's it's a very weird one to be honest um, Irish people traditionally don't like a lot of change and sometimes we're not we don't really impre- embrace stuff that's new but it's it's MMA is not legal it's not recognized by the Irish Sports Council it's not exactly like New York where it's where it was illegal for a long time but it's it's legal it's just not regulated and and as a result, at some, you know, obviously when the UFC come in, they they do everything to perfection, you know, in terms of the the you know the doctors having on-site medical staff and all that. And some of the lower promotions here might not exactly have that. So there's some, and the Yauka value help really didn't help. Um, I think it's going to set the sport back some amount of years here, even despite having someone as popular as McGregor, who's pretty much been transcendent. So to have someone like that, and for the sport still to kind of struggle for that recognition and that basic kind of funding that it would need it's it's kind of disheartening here for a lot of i suppose fans and fighters but i, I think with the popularity of mcgregor i think it's only going to spur on hopefully more no, people no. training and fighting if, if let's say mcgregor was miraculously able to get out of his contract like he seems to want to get out would would mma would fans and um would fans there in Ireland show up at Croke Park to watch him yeah. fight someone outside the ufc well, yeah without a doubt i think he de- i think they definitely would um a because he's right now he's our best talent in in this country. Uh, uh, he's dominant. He has been dominating the sport for for a few years, you know, and he's he's really raised it onto a petulant. But uh, no, I, I think I think uh, if if he was to fight in Crow Park, he would sell it out. And I don't think there's a question there. Yeah, I think somewhat of it, John, has to do with the competition that he's facing as well. So obviously, the UFC for the most part in MMA. I know Bellator is rising recently, but. It has the best fighters, so there's a degree to that that people want to see him compete against the best in the world. But there's also a degree of Irish people who just seem to travel for anything. For instance, our football team over the last 15, 16 years has been fairly standard, very average. Yeah, average. But like, there's I think for the Euro 2016, the soccer championships that'll be on in France in the summer, there's only about Irish tickets have maybe have about 40,000, 45,000 ticket allocations, and there was 240,000 applications. Um, and then same with the rugby. I think Ireland played Romania in Wembley Stadium in London. In, in Romania, definitely wouldn't be a strong no. rugby nation at Mino. all. A minnow. A minnow. And, and they sell out the Olympic Stadium, sorry, which is about 80,000. So uh, Irish people, if, if we can get behind something, we definitely go out in droves and, and support it. And I think that's that's what's happening with McGregor as yeah. well. Is that So I think to a certain extent, it's, it's a bit of both. Some, we like to see him compete against the very best. And then there's another fact that's intrinsically, I think we just go and support. T- Tyson Fury, uh, the heavyweight champion, is he, yeah. he's, he's been saying he kind of wants to fight in Croke Park because he has I- Irish roots. Um, but yeah. I don't... Th- would he sell out Croke Park? I don't think Tyson Fury would sell... It probably would sell out because of the heavyweight fight, but I don't think it would be because Tyson Fury's fighting there. But- but if it was like you know Anthony Joshua or something like that, some massive fight, that would that might sell, right? Yeah, I think there's enough boxing fans in Ireland, and just I think people would travel to Ireland. A lot of Americans do come over to to Ireland if he was fighting an American. I think that they they would sell they would sell an eighty two and a half thousand seater stadium, but. Uh, it's it's a tough one. I I do think I think hands down he would sell Crow Park if it was even if it was just him fighting. I don't know <laughs> anyone unregulated in, in in the middle of of the football stadium. I think he would sell it out. 
does an old bare knuckle fight. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wonder if uh, McGregor's following the Ali Act stuff. There's some rumors I heard that he's he's on top of that. So, so I wonder if that's if that's part of his plan or not. Oh. Who knows? Do you not think? Do you not think though that that whole thing? I don't know if he's done it in recent fights, but earlier on in his, his UFC career, he did that. He was predicting fights and predicting what round he was. That's very. That's right out of the Ali textbook. Yeah. Well, I'm at the Ali Act, the uh, the legal, the federal law that they're they're trying to pass here in the U.S. Oh, okay, so well, sorry, I'm not really clued in on that. What's that about? The, that's the that's the federal regulation they passed in boxing in 2000 that has all these rules that stipulates what a promoter and a manager can do, uh, which would which would drastically increase the power of fighters when negotiating with any promotion, including it doesn't it, right now it doesn't affect MMA fighters, but they want to expand it to include MMA fighters. So if it happened, it would change the nature the relationship between a promoter and a fighter. And potentially, let's say it got passed and signed, they could declare that, you know, in, in the next two years, when it gets enacted, contracts will be voided. You have to do a new contract by then. <laughs> oh, wow. So, I mean, if, you know, when he's talking about promoting his own events, which seems impossible under the current structure, uh, you know, in my head, I heard rumors about him, you know, his camping and, you know, planning on the Ali Act company or something like that. Part of me wonders if his plan was, yeah, right now I won't, but two years from now when my contract gets voided um, I'll be in, I'll be in place to do this do you, do you think that you know you were saying earlier he has a six fights or whatever to, to you know in his contract do you think that's not the perfect amount of time until maybe this might come in do you not think he might just hang around the UFC for a while and, and just ride the storm I suppose well he could but the way the contracts work and the way they've been enforced in the past were that when you got to your third and fourth fight and you didn't re-sign, they would start slowing down when they give you your next two fights. Okay. And so they would your next fight, instead of being every three, four, five months, they might go, oh, we're going to wait six months. And then there's also the thing, if you turn down a fight or injured or anything, that's that adds a tolling provision to it, a tolling extension period. So if he's sitting out right now, they could say, hey, you weren't available to fight because you didn't live the requirements. All this time that goes by until you're ready to fight, we can add that to the end of your contract. Wow. And so, and when he was injured too a while ago, that builds up too. Because remember, he had his leg injury. Yeah. They could add that. Theoretically, they could add that to the end of the contract. So, what should be done in two years could take maybe three or four years to finish. And then, if he still holds the belt at the end of that, that takes on more time. John, can I ask you one question? And it's been, it's kind of been, I've been wondering about it for a couple of years now. Because the UFC is a private company and there's all this talk of fighter unions now and maybe trying to unionize fighters so they can improve pay conditions and stuff like that, but part of the UFC being a private company means they don't actually have to disclose their, I suppose, their, you know, their, their revenue and, and their, their financial statements and records. Do you have, like, being an MMA journalist and, and being around the scene, would you have any idea of, like, what maybe percentage of like fighter pay the fighters would actually total for and how much of you know the revenue from from events the ufc would keep to themselves i suppose i, I don't did you ever see my series on the uh, ufc finances no i seen i seen the one video that was breaking down um mcgregor oh, okay, but go, if you go back and look at bloody elbow i did a whole three-part series where i got all the financial records i could get a hold of including documents from deutsche bank that are available to the public yeah and, and went through it and Based on the percentage going to fighters, and this seems to be the, from everybody seems to be pretty accurate because I've broken down. I, on my own, I went through and talked to individual fighters and their managers and totaled up how much they made on an event, and then we estimated what the event made, so it kind of lines up. But Lorenzo Fertito back in 2011 said, between 2005 and 2011, we paid the, uh, two, over $250 million to all the fighters. 
Well, we went through the Deutsche Bank amount of revenue that the UFC claimed every year, and that ended up being about 15% of all the revenue. Right, wow. So, and then if you total up how much the UFC made, the owners, it, it ended up with, if you count the sale of 10% of the company and the, the special dividend from a loan, they actually made like a billion dollars in that same time frame. Wow. Which, yeah, four times as much. So, they're, they're, it's a profitable business. Is, uh, just lastly, um, do you think they'll, I know Bellator's come in, and even Floyd Mayweather's even talked of maybe even trying to get in on MMA, and maybe he might start his promotion. Given how quickly the UFC basically just, at the surging popularity that MMA received on the back of UFC, is was there, is there any other promotion maybe in the next, say, 50 years of the sport that you could think there's a gap there that could, that could potentially rival the UFC, or do you think it'll be complete monopolization? Uh, I I don't see anybody rival. I, mean, I guess it depends. It depends what happens in the future. If uh, if you know the Ali act comes up and um, and who knows, maybe the lawsuit suit succeeds and the UFC loses a ton of money there, and and uh, an association comes into play. So there's a possible other people can enter the field. In which case, it might be more like boxing, where individual promoters promote they promote the, the fighters. There's not a league. There's not a there's not the league promotion style we have now. So people aren't paying attention to UFC and Bellator. They're just looking at it like, oh, Conor McGregor is going to fight Diaz on Fox. You know, that's the big that's the big fight. That's what we want to see. That's what I'm going to pay to see. It's not no longer the UFC. It's now just you know Diaz versus McGregor. Yeah, yeah. Um, John, we've to kind of wrap stuff up here. I think we have to be out of the studio in about ten or so, oh, so I'm minutes. Sorry about that. Um, oh, I'm sorry. No, thank you. Thanks very much, John. We really appreciate very talking insightful. to you. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely because. Uh, over this side because the sport's relatively new we wouldn't I suppose pre-McGregor there wouldn't be too many journalists that would be covering it um, you know too closely I mean there are some good ones but I mean not to the probably extent of what you'd have in the, over in the US so we really do appreciate you taking time out and talking to us yeah, no problem. actually I'm very impressed with the uh, the Irish media so far I've met so yeah that's always a good sign that's always a good sign <laughs> much more impressive than the American media so. <laughs> oh stop not, you're making us blush <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, John. Thank, Thank you, John. Take care. Bye. Take care. Bye. I always wondered that because I knew because they're a private company. And I was just like, they're scaring them definitely. They don't. Yeah, yeah. Because some of these guys like making, and you know they have their own reasons for doing that as well. I suppose like they, I mean, they say that they want to try and grow the sport as much as possible, so it needs investment. But like he said, like they're, they're billionaires and they're Vegas billionaires. Yeah, they, they can I mean? like they can grow more, but they should be happy with what they have right yeah. now <laughs> yeah but it's not like Panarino where they're trying to build a base from nothing and like trying to give you a little bit and then yeah. to increase it's, yeah. it's a big company <laughs> yeah yeah exactly exactly like it's a, it's a huge company it's still like yeah, John S. Nash you can find his, his work on, on bloodyelbow.com and uh, you can also follow him on at hey not the face on, on Twitter So Group A, France, Romania, Albania, Switzerland. Uh, this is probably one of the easier ones for for the winner. Obviously, France. France is at home. Host nation. There's no host nation. Gonna... Probably going in. I know they haven't played competitively in a while, but they have been playing very good football in their friendlies. Their squad, you know, Paye and Golo Kante. Like they, they, these boys mm. are, are coming into the team now. 
and only question mark is their striker Giroud has been playing well if he has been playing the last few weeks and Benzema's kind of off, off not the allowed. pitch yeah yeah that mightn't allow him allow him to play but if you take look at look at the other strikers they have they have Griezmann who's in top form for Atletico yeah. and then you have Martial that's out the wing then he can come into the centre he should be in the centre yeah it, it's missing the focal point but the quality is there and there's no question about that um, they have a fantastic defence they'll have I'd say in about three years they'll have the best defence in, in, in the world and when Varane you know grows into more of the player we know he can be Zoom is going to come in there I think uh, they, and they you know even this time they have the experience I think ever will get the have show have you even mentioned like, Paul Pogba yet? oh we're having midfield hold on we're yeah, getting there we'll get there they have probably the best midfielder in the world at the minute uh, Paul Pogba um, he has everything about him mm. in his locker um, he doesn't look like he should be the best player because he's such a big athlete you know but he has a bit of pace on him He's oh, his shots touch passing is phenomenal. I like we actually said this week if you had the choice between <coughs> 100 million euro and Paul Pogba, he'd, he'd Pogba. take Pogba, Pogba any day. That's that's probably that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you get told that that you're worth more than 100 million from he must your manager, be doing okay, yeah, yeah, he must be doing all right. Um, yeah. I don't know if the board will take that though. <laughs> no. Their their midfield is absolutely in, incredible though. They've Angola Kante, Kabay, Dayara. Matuidi, Schneiderland, Matuidi. Oh. Pogba, Valbuena, Sissoko, Griezmann, Coleman, Benarfa, Martial, Paye, and He's Antep. actually had quite a good season. Yeah, too, he has, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I can't believe we forgot Matuidi. Like, he's he's the, the rich man's Ramirez, I think. He's just an absolute athlete. His, he has the stamina of... A, I don't even know what of something that has a lot of stamina anyway. <laughs> a racehorse. <laughs> a racehorse? Yeah, yeah, I suppose a grand national racehorse. But... They've oh. had their fair share of clashes from within the squad in the past, though. And what's going on now between Valbuena and Benzema? Yeah. Do you think that could have any bearing on well, an, another implosion? He, Benzema says that they're still friends or whatever. I highly doubt that's the case if all this is coming <laughs> about. Um, but if Benzema's allowed in, that could stir up stir up the pot. Benzema was fantastic in the World Cup, especially in the group stages from uh, last year. Um, but I I don't know I I still think that they've they've got a good chemistry coming into into it you know the, the way they they mm. played against against big nations over the last few friendlies has been really really fascinating yeah. and rightfully so I think they're the favourites for for Euro 2016 especially being at home yeah and I, I think the second spot was going to go to Switzerland because yeah. I, I'm just looking at the squad there they've Shakiri Yerman Jacob and in, in the midfield Inler in midfield Lichtensteiner uh, Barami. Uh, they have Rodriguez Ricardo the Rodriguez yeah, Ricardo as well Rodriguez uh, but Shaka there's a few others there if, as well. you, if you look at their group their qualifying they are prone to the, a loss here and there they lost to Slovenia and they got tr- they got beaten by England when they were at home as well so uh, it's not going to be as clear cut as the other groups I don't think because Albania Romania and Switzerland all finished second in their groups yeah uh, so it's going to be a tight only team to beat Spain in the 2010 World Cup, though I, I'm I'm pretty sure that was the case. It was New, Z- New Zealand was the only yeah New Zealand was the only team to not to not uh, to be undefeated even though they didn't qualify. Mm. I think they got two three draws. They didn't yeah. qualify. Um, but you know Romania. I think they, they got knocked out of that World Cup as well without conceding. <laughs> yeah, exactly, something like that. Absolutely <clears> ridiculous. <throat> but uh, R- Romania, you know, they they had a great campaign. They're getting a lot better. Um, 
Uh, but I, st- I still think it's going to Switzerland, Albania. They d- they'll be the minnows. I don't think. Although we said that with Costa Rica this in the their World first Cup, major yeah. tournament. Yeah, things Albania like they okay. They got a draw with Denmark. They kind of pushed Portugal very closely as well. Yeah, they Portugal played, are kind of mediocre team though, aren't they? They, they played they, a very high intense game against Serbia as well. I mean that was <laughs> sheer pressure yeah. in the two matches. I know they got the three 0 The fight for Kosovo. One. Yeah, <laughs> but um, no, that's they can play at a high intensity, yeah. I suppose, or with a lot of pressure on their backs, and they kind of came out of those. Well, even though it's not as good opposition, it was still. And Switzerland, like Switzerland, aren't going to go out and attack any teams. Switzerland are one of these these teams that yeah. they sit back and soak up pressure and just try to get a goal here and there. And that that could, if they play that strategy, that could be very dangerous for them. Yeah, I I completely agree. Um, you know, the other two teams have to come to this tournament. They they don't they don't go. All right, Romania. We, we know when when Ireland bet them in the in the penalty shootouts, they have experience <laughs> there. But you know, they they have to come into this. You know. Nothing to lose, F- fear no one. You know they're not expected to qualify, so it, it, it mightn't be as easy as what we're saying. But well, they will have the whole third place, the four best third place teams in this competition will go on to the, the knockout rounds as well. Yeah, which is an absolute nightmare when you're trying to predict who's going to come where because <laughs> you know even assuming the France are uh, coming first, they will play the third place in either Group C, D, or E, depending on which one does better. So. We yeah, we're gonna have a nightmare. I with just that. remembered France played Switzerland in the last sixteen of the of the, of the World, last Cup. World Cup. Yeah, five two. They, they absolutely destroyed, destroyed them. them. Yeah, it was five nil. Did Benzema get a hat trick or yes, something? Yeah, did. yeah. Um, so that that's gonna be in the back of their minds, and going to France is not gonna be easy. But I think we'll, that's that's pretty. I think They're we're very gonna good s- squad, Switzerland as well. And they kind of underperformed in that World yeah. Cup at the time. So all right, we're going France, Switzerland. Yes, do yeah. we all agree Fra- on that? France, Switzerland, Romania, and I think Romania, Albania, Albania. We're gonna go with. The, the bookie, how the bookies would probably go with it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we'll, we'll be making some bolder calls along the way, I'm sure. <laughs> then we'll, we'll start with this. So we go on to Group B, which is England's quite an group. interesting one from a home nation's point of view. We have England, Wales, Russia, Slovakia. Yeah, that's that's very very intriguing, mm. especially because England's recent form in you know competitions in uh, you know in the Euros and and recent World Cups have been mediocre at best. Mm. Um, you know Russia I think it's a handy group for England I, d- I don't think it's the worst the best group they could have gotten but I certainly don't think it's the worst uh, there, there's three teams they should they should be getting nine points yeah. theoretically yeah. Um, whether well, they do Wa- or not Wales will not roll over you know no we- oh, Wales thing, will be craving that and Bale Bale will just yeah. be he'll have the nation's weight on his shoulders exactly. and he- he'll oh, that'll be a fantastic game that's one as well that- especially because Wales are going to kick off their game first game against Slovakia so yeah. if they get three points on the board there then Jesus, England are going to be in for a bit of They'll a fight. They'll be shaky, yeah. And then we're not even mentioning Russia. Russia are a decent enough side. They kind of do their own little thing mm. with their, their league and their few players around around Europe. But it's, uh, that's second place is really tough one to call there. I think we're yeah. all going to go with England. We'll talk about England. Well, England first anyway. But England judging by their yeah. players' form and the way Vardy's going mm-hmm. with Harry Kane as well. And yeah. I, yeah the, I think from from an Irish point of view, that's the, that's the perfect grip for England because... England will walk through that group and the expectation will be high and then they'll get their absolute when Ireland yeah uh, they'll, they'll just be when just Ireland be destroyed in the qualifying group then in the, yeah. in the knockout stages I think uh, yeah so the, I, I think the squad England squad is another complete discussion we can go yeah. on for 10, 15, 20 minutes uh, at least half an hour yeah, yeah. Um, but you know Slovakia so one, one last note Weiss. on England though if just we won't, we won't let ourselves talk for 10 minutes about it but is Andy going to be on the plane? 
He should be. Uh, he one hundred percent should be. Okay, we'll leave it there. We'll move on. To <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. I, I'd, I'd like him. I'd, if he, I wouldn't be sad if he wasn't. But I don't think he will. I just don't. I don't think it's there. I think Sturridge is going on. Slovakia. Slovakia. <laughs> Slovakia are a very good side. Yeah, going to yeah. be very, very hard to beat. They're a team when they're in your group. They're they're a tough little pluggy pluggy side. Is one of them you'd love a point away from home. And and you know if you beat them, and if you get four points off them in a in a group in a qualifier, you're you're mm, absolutely yeah. delighted. But you know, um, they've been in a few major competitions in recent years, and you know they've got they've got some some decent players. Uh, all we know, Vladimir Weiss and and uh, Skirt Skirtle, uh, we saw that were in coppers there. They had a, they've months. had a solid a solid solid campaign. I mean, they they even beat Spain. Yeah, yeah. it could so. be. I, I think this this group could be the one that has one of the the third place away to uh, Ukraine. Teams. They won that as well. It mightn't be though, because if they start drawing with each other, the points tally is yeah. going to be a lot, a lot lower. Um, it could be though, t- certainly. Um, I think it's hard to predict that because there's so, m- there's so many close uh, groups here. Uh, we're going to come to Group E in a while. That we'll talk about that. <laughs> but yeah, so are we giving Wales second? I think, I think Wales can. They have the capability to get second. Yeah. But it's playing Russia that's going to be difficult for them because Russia are very defensive. Um, yeah. Do they do Wales really have the quality to break them down? Because they're no- notorious though for being bottlers when they're not playing in exactly. Russia. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to see Wales get get second place because Gareth Bale. Why? I, I don't know why he never played for England. But <laughs> <laughs> you could imagine though that the third place, the third place in Group E would probably be one of the stronger third be. place teams. Yeah. No, that's what I was saying. I think. Yeah. The do you third think so though? Be. But don't you have to have a? Wouldn't you think you'd have to have a minnow? to everyone batters off that you're guaranteed three points off like they could just all draw with each other mm. do you know that kind of way as well I know what you mean by they're really good teams and that there's going yeah. to be a really good third whoever's third place is going to be disappointed if they don't qualify I'm still kind of expecting the Russia implosion though I just never expect yeah. them to do well in major tournaments especially after the last World Cup as well where it looked like they kind of hand, had a hand it on a platter because they had Belgium who were still young and a little bit naive of yeah. the squad and then they had Algeria and South Korea who Okay, Algeria were African champs at the time, but South Korea were another team that just didn't have a squad at the time, and Russia really blew that World Cup. So you're gonna go? You're not going Russia. You've I, I'm gonna to back Russia for bottom. For bottom. Yep. Okay. Um. Interesting. I think I'm gonna back. I'm gonna. I'm sorry. I'm gonna back Wales. I think it's just that for the bottom. It's their. Fir- it's their first competition in France. Uh. You know, it, it's <laughs> gonna be intimidation all over. I know they've got world class players. Um, you think it's going to be Euro 2012 for us kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, but, but I hadn't qualified since. I, I still think Chris Coleman has something to build on. I th- I don't think this has been a <laughs> fluke by any means. There's there's something there in Wales that well, that's not going to disappear anytime soon. I mean, look what they did to Belgium. I'm, yeah, yeah, there's something there. I'm going to go with Gav. I'm going to put Russia last and England Wales to qualify automatically. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go Russia second. I I don't know if I'll give Wales second there. But I'd be Wales or oh, that's a tough name. I think Slovakia might pull it just ahead of them. You think Possibly so? Wales get the third place, yeah. Okay, I'm, mine is the way it is now. The way uh, England, Russia, Slovakia, Wales, the way it is on the website. Um, okay, so. Group C. Group C. Genda, Germ- what do you, what Germania, do you think? Ukraine, Poland, and Northern Ireland. This one is the group of death, in my opinion. Uh, I think Germany and Poland are going to qualify with. Ukraine in third and Northern Ireland last. 
simply because I don't think Northern Ireland have the squad. It's not because I have anything against them. I just <laughs> do not. Yeah. Think Are you not from Northern Ireland? <laughs> I'm not. I'm from. I'm from the border of Northern Ireland, <laughs> and I'm sick of people asking me that question. <laughs> but that has nothing to do with my decision. Uh, no, I think Germany, Germany just have the superior squad. They didn't have a great qualifying campaign. They didn't have to, though. They didn't have to. Do you think that Germany will cruise the group, though, given, you know, I know they've won, okay, we're all the world champions or whatever. Poland yeah. bet like, them. Poland bet them. Poland bet them. We bet them. In, even in the last World Cup, in their group stages there, they stumbled yeah. a lot with yeah. Ghana as well. So I, I think it's I think it's going to be, they had a terrible qualifying campaign for the World Cup mm. as well. I think I think they're just going to bounce back and be even stronger. It's fair fair to say it like that um, it's definitely not a gimme that they're going to come it's first it's not a gimme that they're going to come first that's why I said is Poland and Germany going to come through but uh, I think it's either going to be Poland or Germany first and second mm-hmm. and that's, that's a, I think that's a given Yeah, I still think you know Ukraine kind of do alright in some of these in these competitions they um they have Yarmolenko and they have mm. a, f- a few players that a few flashy players that you just w- might notice on the, the kind of the mainstream if you're yeah. looking at Sky Sports <laughs> every day. Um, although I I think Poland the way they blew us away when when the pressure was on, uh, I I th- I think that was really interesting. They, they've beaten Germany as well. They won't fear at all. I don't think there'll be any pressure on Poland's mm. shoulders. Uh, so I think um I think they'll come second but I think Germany they just have the st- one of the best squads in international football history you know yeah they do it's 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 remarkable with the kind of squad they've conjured up um um but yeah I think it's going to be Northern Ireland are just going to finish us cuz you know you can't really name any top top quality players do you think they got a bit of an easy ticket with their group as well they did, yeah, but I still didn't think they were going to Greece and the Faroe Islands, qualify. You know, yeah, I know, but, but yeah, but if, even if even by going off that, hungry, uh, as well, they didn't. Yeah. They had an easy enough group, and people were still surprised that they were overachieved in qualifying for the Euros. Mm. So I think that kind of shows you that they just don't have the quality I, there. I, the credit goes to Michael O'Neill. They, they, what was it? Um, Az- was it Azerbaijan or Luxembourg got four points off them mm. in the World Cup qualifiers? Uh, they they were losing silly stupid games at home um, ridiculously and and now he, th- any other international manager probably would have been sacked but they stuck with him and mm. fair bloody play to him because you know they, they've got they've kind of got this, a, a culture up there now that they have a bit of confidence that Northern Ireland really never had. Do you how do you think their fans are gonna? travel for this one well they don't like the jerseys I think they're going to travel of course <laughs> not a fan of the blue stripe no I d- why I d- why I don't get it they maybe never it's just was people can stop confusing them with us I maybe, suppose maybe yeah it's just a, yeah, a, a kind I of mean, a Michael O'Neill is their manager <laughs> we Martin down here but yeah it's uh, probably a bit of a nightmare for anybody looking from the outside in really yeah um, but fair play to them for qualifying you know um, four out of the five home nations but that's it for them that's it for them They're, it's going to be a, a, a party in France for, for their fans hopefully they they don't get too rowdy um, but no I think they're coming dead last they just don't have the players uh, yeah. hof- hopefully I'm wrong because I do actually kind of hope they do do alright you know a little nation on, on this island uh, I hope they do really well and I like Michael O'Neill um, very soft spoken very very uh, mm-hmm. a, a nice man it seems so Germany Poland Ukraine N- Northern Ireland are my my okay, guesses grand. so we go on to group D Spain Czech Republic Turkey <coughs> and Croatia I'm not that really excited by this group I no. am really? very much so that's that's very very interesting with Spain you know they don't have their strikers kind of under question who they're going to throw yeah. up there you know that they still haven't really got found that that problem out that situation well, is there going to be a false nine 
in the back in the 2010 days. Surely Torres has got his ticket back in. I think he has. At the moment, now. I think he has. I've seen some of his goals. They've been Torres of old now, albeit his touch is still kind of a bit off as well. But you know the, these line breaks, you know, in between defenders over the top ball, which we see what Vardy's been doing yeah. this year in the Premier League. That has been really, really interesting. Um, Costa has rekindled most of his form. That even he had if he's last even year. if he's fit on day one, would you expect him to play all three games? He won't play all three games. I think I think Spain are gonna realize that they're gonna get three points off Czech Republic. Croatia's gonna be a tough one. Um, Turkey, if they're playing Turkey first, I believe. Mm. I think he'll start that game because Taras. I know it's, it's Turkey play Croatia first. Turkey play Croatia first. Spain have Czechs first. You presume they're going to they're going to be Czech Republic. Uh, even the last few friendlies, they lost to Scotland at home, and yeah. uh, I think they drew with Denmark or something as well. Um, it's all because the Czech Republic actually <coughs> had Turkey in their qualifying group. Yeah, and now they've drawn There's each other. There's been a few again, of that. So. Sure, the the last one, Poland and Germany. Yeah. Um. That, that that's a funny one, but uh I think Costa starts the first game. I think they win. Uh, and then it goes from there. What, what what happens in the other game? If it's a draw, maybe he goes with him again. How do you how do you think Croatia are fixed? Would you say they're the other strongest team? Or? Yeah, yeah. Uh, their midfield is absolutely phenomenal. They've Mandzukic up front mm. from a, a team. You know, we know team that's only him. team that's only conceded sixteen goals. Atletico Madrid. They've still scored fifty six. They have a mm-hmm. good good goal difference. Uh, um, it's gonna be. I think they're the second strongest. You know, I know Turkey have added Turan and and a few others as well. Um, but Croatia in in France, uh, I think they'll do it. Okay, we'll move on then. Will we? Are well actually quick prediction on first and second then. End them. Um, I'll go for Spain to come first because even though Spain don't have any strikers they also have Torres, Costa and Morata <laughs> they just they just don't have Morata, they, yeah. they don't have strikers to suit them that's the problem with them but I still think they'll walk away with this group and Tur- where would you give second to? T- Turkey and Croatia is going to be a tough one now but I'll go for Tur- I'll go for Croatia in second place just this this could also be the the second group that the third place gets gets through on the the last Euros yeah I think I agree with that because Czech Republic I don't really I don't rate them highly yeah. at all but the, the last Euros uh, Croatia and Spain were in the same group together yeah. and Croatia did very very well in that so that's why I'm going to go with them for didn't second. they Spain had already qualified when they played though hadn't they it was the last <coughs> yeah, game I believe that's true yeah but yeah, then, yeah, but, yeah but, I do remember it well now. Uh, yeah <laughs> uh, just after Torres scored the, the hat-trick against Ireland it was a little bit blurry through my tears <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, <laughs> is going to be Turkey's going to qualify. Still, I don't think their yeah. their fans should fret just yet. They're going to qualify. So, and then Czech Republic last. Yeah. Okay. So we move on to Group E: Belgium, <coughs> Italy, Sweden, and the favourites. <laughs> Republic of Ireland. It's this is the group of death for we'll me. Never stop talking about them. The group of death. Yeah. Death bad memories me. of Italy. All right. Um, although Belgium. we have good memories against Italy too. To, to I think this is a different. Not team. so recent. Ones. Not so recent. No. <laughs> The most recent we're going back to the, was Glenn Whelan's thirty-yard belter from yeah. his trick-free kick routine. We don't see Ireland leave? do that anymore. Who did they leave? Ca- uh, Cannavaro? No, who who scored the goal? Who's who's who got the late equaliser? Uh, Saint Ledger scored for us. Yeah. The, the late winner. Oh. Yeah. Well, we thought it was the winner at the yeah. time, and then yeah. yeah. I remember. I was. Co- I I remember my exact spot in the world when that when that equaliser came in because I was just listening on the, on the radio. And I had to pull the car in to <laughs> listen to it, and I was absolutely—I was nearly in tears after that goal. Could not believe it. 
uh, for this group, I'm really, really scared to say that Ireland are going to get through, but I actually do believe it because <sighs> Sweden. I, I'm quite cynical. <laughs> I, I, I think this this is the strongest Ireland team we've had since I would I would dare to argue 2002 World Cup. Uh, not as strong as that. Though, not I as think strong. Yeah. Not as strong. Yep. But since that, this is the best squad we've had. Sweden have Ibrahimovic. Apart from that, they don't have a massive squad. Italy are an Asian squad, but I think like they'll be very, very difficult to beat Belgium. We can forget about Belgium unless we do another Germany mm. on it. Uh, but I, I don't know. I think Ireland might, might clinch it. It's very <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. goal yeah. difference. Yeah, it'll be a tough, a rough one, but we'll, we'll yeah, tough but on like, goal You know, we're, we're, we're starting off our campaign against Sweden, who will obviously beat, and that will just That's set the down the marker then for the rest yeah, of the yeah. thing. Yeah, but like, exactly, yeah, it's, exactly. it's the same kind of thing. Everything comes down to the 13th of June, just like it came down to the Croatian match last time, and you just know you need three points in this game, or you're going home already, and you just have to sit there and watch yeah. the other two games fly through when. You just well, even three points against Italy or Belgium, isn't, you know, might hopefully not be enough. Hopefully, Ibrahimovic's future is kind of up in the air, and he's kind of, you know, he's kind of dazed. All over and, the place. Yeah, all mm. over the place. Not sure where he's going, and you know, he's, he just doesn't. But want sure, to even be there. even when he but looks like that, he ends up scoring points yeah, from though? forty yards against know, England. Yeah. I, I, like when we played them the last time, uh, the last qualifiers, wasn't it? He, he, yeah. he didn't. He was oh, not he interested up, at all. Yeah. But I know there was a qualifier, completely different circumstance. He's a player who loves the big occasions, just not the Champions League. Mm. Um, but uh, he, you know, I I think we I think we're beating Sweden. Is it Belgium here? I don't think so. I mean, after the last World Cup, we all kind of everybody just said, you know what, they're great side, still a little bit young, naive to it all. They're going to be great for Euro twenty sixteen. This is what we all kept saying to each other. I think Belgium are third favorites, second mm. third favorites behind maybe for Germany mm. and and. Uh, and Spain but I'll leave my prediction for the f- the winner until the end but it's not Belgium okay <laughs> I, uh, um, oh, I think but you, would you predict them to top this group I would predict them to top this group and then Italy. either Italy or Ireland to come second it's funny though you know Italy I think Sweden will be last yeah I, I think I think I think it's funny you know Italy Conte's last last tournament as the manager mm. you know um Marchisio is a doubt. I think he's he could be out for the the Euros. He yeah. he got he got a bad injury. I think um, he's very doubtful. That's a huge us. I'm a huge fan of Claudio Marchisio. Uh, absolutely spectacular player. But I think Ireland are gonna qualify somehow. I'm not sure if it's gonna be second or third on four points. I don't know who the point is going to be against either. I'm scared to make any predictions about it. Yeah, Ireland. because we're going to look back at this with zero points and we're all going to just hang yeah, ahead in shame. Like you make and we will delete this podcast <laughs> straight away from you anybody's. Ma- you make the prediction, you get excited, then you find yourself 3-1 three, one, three, one down yeah. the first day and then that's just the Euros over. Be- yeah, but <laughs> Belgium, right? They've Alderweireld, who's oh, oh, one of my favourite defenders in, 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 the, in the world at the minute. He's just absolutely spectacular. Um, if Vertonghen's back... Mm, if he's fit yeah that's a really really strong partnership company hasn't been at the race this year with his injuries the last two years he's been he hasn't been there or thereabouts um, then you have Italy a much better squad than they were two years ago absolutely you know last Conte's last hurrah you never know they got to the to final la- last time around they never the look Euros. pretty but they're always in the mix yeah how did they do it I'm not too sure same with um, the World Cup as ex- well yeah. exactly uh, i you'll never rule them out um, and then Sweden one or two good, really good players and apart from that they're just a bunch of average averages you know mm. uh, 
I think Ireland are going to go in with the mentality that, you know, the last tournament was the past. Uh, I think that they have something to prove. They don't want to disappoint the fans. It's not going to be a party in France as it was or as it was in um, Poznan mm-hmm. and Poland and Ukraine the last time. I think we're going to get third. I'm going to go the way it is now, Belgium, Italy, Republic of Ireland, Sweden. Um, that, uh, and then keep the fingers crossed that we are one of the better yeah, third-place teams. Well, we have to beat Sweden to be one of the better third-place teams. Uh, Italy could always beat Belgium, you know, that's yeah. the problem. So I think we're going to come third. Hopefully four points is enough. I think we get a point off one of the other two. All right, so we'll move on to Group F. This is probably one of the tightest groups. Yeah. Portugal, Iceland, Austria and Hungary. Where Jesus. do we start? That's that's a rough one. It's kind of boring, isn't it? It's a boring it's group. Well, uh, there's some great stories from within it, but I think I don't think Portugal will get out of this one. I don't think I they, think will they might get third, and that'd be third ahead of Hungary, maybe. But they might, I can be one see, of the, they might be one of the teams, though. I can see Austria and Iceland finishing ahead of them. They could, yeah. Oh, by any means, it, it depends what what Portugal turns up. They've been. So even Ronaldo has kind of admitted that they are a one man team like he's been asked well, about that before he and he just says well yeah I am the only player if he was in the Germany team he probably would have said that but uh, yeah. he it's a very very it's very tough to see them get through get through this group um, they don't really have any other players that you would put in the top 50 in the world would you apart from Ronaldo no yeah, they've he they're, very much came at a, con- a bad Cohen Trow time isn't even getting a look in in Real Madrid anymore. They have baby. They do. He, he's he's worth fifty million alone for his for his free kicks. He's good on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, he's, fine. he's fantastic at street football. But other than that, I'm not quite sure what you see is on the team. Um, yeah, so we'll we'll move on like to Austria. Then they are probably my favourites anyway to top this group. They've won nine out of their ten qualifying games. Um, including Russia away, which nobody beats yeah. Russia away. Nobody and beats Russia they drew away. the other game. And they showed us a lesson in the last qualifiers as well. Yeah. They taught us a lesson home and, and away. David Alaba is still flying us in Germany at the moment. Yeah, so I think Austria have have too good a squad not to at least come second in that group. Oh, they did. But yeah. Iceland, Iceland is my pick for the, the bogey team to get through. Ahead of Hungary. Hungary have a good squad now, but I think Iceland will just pinch it. Gilfie yeah. Sigerson is fantastic. Either good Janssen's still playing. <laughs> He's still there. Yeah. <laughs> Absolute legend of the game. Chelsea oh, here. He is. Yeah. That, they're probably. The, I've said this to you before, but Iceland qualifying for the Euros has to be one of the, if not the biggest achievement in football history. They are a county team, essentially. 330,000 is the population yeah. of Iceland. And they are—they're the smallest team ever to get into it. That, yeah, um, yeah. And they a, have great footballers. Yeah. It's the equivalent of great. like San Marino or someone like that actually doing something, and, do something. Yeah, yeah. yeah although they—they they have a culture of soccer playing, but st- other than that, still, yeah, three hundred thirty thousand yeah. is something. They can else. thank their government for it. <laughs> the banks back them. Yeah, maybe no, that's where early two thousands. They launched this initiative to uh, put in artificial pitches across their whole country because they were only getting about five months of football a year and they wanted to encourage it and since then it's they've qualified off. for under 21s and now they've qual- qualified for the Euros that's a fantastic story Kilkenny, Kilkenny could learn from that <laughs> <laughs> why, don't they, why don't they get the lads that went up to Iceland to come down and sort out the football situation in Kilkenny <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah no, I think Iceland will come yeah, second we'll the People's Republic of Cork will be <laughs> for the next European Championships after this but yeah I give them a really really good chance the way they qualified as well ahead of ahead of the Netherlands yeah mad footballing <laughs> mad countries not, they had not their even problems but still yeah I understand what you're coming from um 
I, I still think Portugal are going to top it. I think the one-man team is going to carry him. You know, when, when even when they were losing to USA two years ago, you know, they still got the, they still got the, the point in. <laughs> I, 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 Ronaldo is the second or third best player in the world at the minute, you know? Yeah. Do the other teams have a player like that that can that can break through that can that can tear people up? I don't think so. No. Uh, Sigurdsson is probably the best player for Iceland. Swansea, you know, he's yeah. he, he tried it yeah. at Spurs. You know, he's at Swansea. I think they have a culture there that can get him into second Iceland most certainly. Yeah. Then you know Austria, a few decent players. Alaba being the one who tore Ireland <laughs> tore Ireland up with that late late strike. It was deflected. It was, I know, but uh, <laughs> we just have to know that. I think this is gonna, this could be the group where uh, this third place team qualifies. It's going to be for my eyes, Portugal, Austria, Iceland. And you're not giving Hungary a chance? No, not After at all. After 10 unsuccessful qualifying campaigns, know, yeah. they've I, finally got themselves in. Yeah, but they're, we were just talking about how easy that yeah. group was. You know, yeah. it was Former a, it was powerhouses a, of world exactly, football. Exactly, yeah, and World Cup winners and everything. But yeah, they're no, finally back in the mix. No, I, I don't see them getting through. They're horrible on FIFA as well. <laughs> <laughs> I always get them. No, but I think they're the whipping boys <laughs> of this group. And I think Iceland will qualify through the third place. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. So, yourself? You're going for Portugal? I'm going for Austria to top the group, Iceland in second, and Portugal in third, but I'm not qualifying. Go Portugal for third, not qualify as well. So move on, that will take us to the round of 16, where <laughs> things are going to get very, very confusing. So <laughs> we're going to have second in group A, who we said was going to be Switzerland, wasn't it? Yep. Yes, yes. This is going to get very confusing. You've lost me now. Hold on. Let's get this. Let's get this going. Who and we said Group C second. We are going to have Germany first and Poland second. So. so no, the second of Group B plays the second of Group C. See, we're already we're we're only one game into this last <laughs> sixteen predictions. And we're already getting ourselves very very confused. So listen, folks, Ireland are going to win the Euros. Yeah, I'm just yeah. going to throw the head on that. Yeah, um, they're going to top the group you know, easily. Let's just seven points. They might slip up on their last game. Yeah, let's just concentrate on who we could possibly play then. So we, yeah. when we come first in Group E, we're going to play second in Group D, which will be Czech Republic, Turkey or Croatia. Yeah, Croatia, we have a vengeance. How are we going to be Croatia, lads, yeah? <laughs> well, if you look at our midfield, it's far more superior to Croatia's midfield. Agent midfield, Modric is 33 now. Like, <laughs> I mean, how can he compete with Wes Hulahan? Rakitic <laughs> has been, you know, he's been playing in, the, in a team where he, all he has to do is put the ball forward he's and not it's going to stick to someone. Not, not at all. You know, when Glenn Wien is breathing down your throat, what are you, <laughs> what are you supposed to do? Um, I think that pressure is going to be in um, John O'Shea whoever's our centre back partnership we have so many options in the back, in the centre half um, field Richard so, Kyo yeah Richard Kyo I wouldn't I w- if I was Mario Mandzukic look how we served how we did with uh, Dzeko uh, you know it, it's, <laughs> in that second game that was absolutely fantastic and we also, more of the same we also have the best playmaker in possibly the world world I mean, football yeah. uh, Randolph like yeah, <laughs> that, that <laughs> true ball. Who can play a through ball like uh, Darren Ram? That slice is true. That efficient and sturdy German <laughs> centre half slice the true butter. Yeah, and then Shane Long That's speed. Like a nice true butter. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like it, it, it's obviously not going to be as, as easy as we put it. But I think Shane Long is going to score a hat trick, and we're going to be Croatia three one. Yeah, that that could quite possibly yeah. happen. Um, and once we so we're going to get our revenge on Croatia, and you'd be delighted to hear we will have an easy pass then for the quarterfinals. <laughs> Sure, it would only be Germany, wouldn't it? <laughs> sure, we already beat them. We, Shaking we, in their boots. We took we took four points from them in the qualifying group. Exactly. We, 
all, all it takes is that that one performance again and I mean they can't beat us when in their backyard how are they going to do it in France exactly um, <laughs> and we, we have the thing is about France you know the last time we played football there it was a very very hurting night and oh I would not like to be the team that stands in their way of a Euro 2016 title <laughs> I say we win 3-1 we can see the late consolation Muller will probably get that to keep his his tally going in uh, you know major competitions um, and we'll probably just give it to him in the 93rd minute yeah, it's already yeah. Over. yeah I think it's gonna it might be a slight mix up and we're gonna laugh about it ah sure it's grand we're through to the yeah. next we're through to the semi-final anyway yeah. yeah so I'm just gonna I'm gonna try be romantic here because it's it's England. gonna be unheard of but we'll have England in the semi-final easy would, would you not rather them in the final oh, we'll get France in the final oh, okay fair enough that's 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 fair enough uh, it doesn't really matter what order they come in just it's, look it's gonna be the same result in the end just look at the history the history we have against England when was the last time they beat us uh, <laughs> I don't believe they have when was the last time <laughs> they have yeah. have they oh they definitely so. have yeah um John, I, I, see, I have a prediction just like Ray Houghton did Johnny Walter's going to step up to the plate and he's going to bury it past him we're gonna <laughs> and then he's going to get an absolutely top quality pundit career when he retires and a song uh, named after him yeah, exactly. he already yeah. has any um, we're looking 20 so years still looking, the hang on are you just checking there to see when was the last time England beat us yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that's, you that's seem the like problem. you're struggling quite a lot there I can't find when the last time it was um you'll have to come back to me I'm not even sure if they can do it in cricket though no they can't <laughs> not at all um, ooh. but the, you know right let's let's look at the the present we'll, t- we'll take a look at the present you know centre back partnership where you know they don't really know who's going to be starting um, Shane Long has scored goals against top quality opposition this if year if you had to pick your squad say Harry Kane was declared for Ireland you'd surely still just go for Shane Long wouldn't you oh definitely yeah yeah, no, yeah, without doubt. Um, I I don't trust these these. You know, if Jack Reedish came back, I wouldn't like him to come in. I don't like these people who are toying with, with the England and then coming back. No, we we, <laughs> we, we keep our home. We have a nice little atmosphere brewing in 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 the Emerald Isle, and uh, hopefully, hopefully. So then we'll go on to our final. France. We'll, we'll take on the French. This will be the toughest game. They'll have a few this, injuries. This will be the toughest game. So just want to intervene here. It was 1985 was the last time that uh, England have beaten Ireland. And do you know how and many games we've played them? We have played three? them uh, three. seven times, oh, seven? according to this. Uh, it may not be true, but it's seven times. Uh, we drew with them one, two, three, four, five, six times, mm-hmm. and we beat them in Stuttgart back yep. in 1988. Yeah. Who put the ball in the England? <laughs> and we Houghton, were we were beating them. Houghton. We were beating them in '95 in Lansdowne Row when their fans started throwing oh, yeah. throwing throwing a fuss. Like, so come on. Yeah. Get over it, lads. Shane Long <laughs> also Shane Long scored uh, in Wembley. Yeah. Uh, he got the equaliser. Yeah, after and we Lampard sh- gave them the lead. We had the way better opp- We had better opportunities against them at the Aviva there. Um, Last year, so we in, were in a also affair. we were also the first ever team to beat England in England. So that's a, that's something that oh, really? may have been 1949. But have we ever played them in France? <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, I'll just check. I'll just check. I know. I'd be very surprised to find out we had. Um, so we'll move on to the final anyway. How final. are we going to beat the French? It's, it's the toughest game. Um, they have a fantastic squad, as we've been pointing out uh, at the start of the podcast. But so so is we. it going to be a case of us hitting them early and then just giving John Jonathan Walters the ball I think and we the corner flag for the rest of the uh, 89 minutes? So. I think we make it really boring. The ref's going to be on our side after the FIFA cor- corruption. Oh, so we're going to go Greece style. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the ref is going to be on our side after what happened 
um, sadly in two thousand in in late two thousand and nine or, or early twenty ten. Um, there's going to be three penalty shouts for France waved away by whoever's the ref maybe it's that Wolf, Wolfgang Stark fella for uh, Germany <laughs> uh, which will be in our favour as well um, and uh, it's going to go to penalties I think this is sure w- we're going to be nervous we haven't been in this position so before would you reckon there's any hope that we will get a hand of God that's G- GAA I, I style was, I was just to about to say that I think it, it could Shane be it could be uh, a situation where Dan or uh, Darren Randolph uh, knocks up a big long ball Johnny Walters does the little flick does back. the yeah. little hand hand back to play Shane Long through and he puts it puts it in the back oh, of the no, I think it's going to penalties I don't think it's as easy as that uh, it's going to be one of them 15-14 penalties Giroud's going to step up after being off the bench to take his second penalty and, and he he's just going to bottle it I think he's going to try and dink it down the middle uh, which Paddy Power would look for him to do and <laughs> Randolph no you know what no it's going to be Shane Long because Randolph's going to go off with a cramp and, and Shane <laughs> Gibbons going to do stick out the, yeah, ha- the late that's, hand that's what I was going to say, say I was going to say Shane you, you played that sport where you used yeah. hands, didn't you do you like do, Niall Quinn do you do a, a Louis Van Hal on it and change the goalkeeper bring Shea Given yeah, on I think that's it and let Shea Given make up for his, his awful I hear awful Tim Krul is actually looking to get his passport changed this summer hmm? oh, really? Tim Krul is probably looking to change nationalities yeah, this summer so definitely. he can play so who knows so that's how we're going to win but you know soccer isn't always that it's going to be a combination forward. of outrageous tactics and handballs yeah yeah Okay. Cheating, <laughs> we'll, we'll cheat our way to the Euro. We're going to finish bottom of the group. Let's be realistic. <laughs> so hypothetically, if we actually just banned out the hatches and decided we weren't going to win it, who would you back? All hypothetically, right. now in this like mysterious land of make believe, where Ireland aren't going to win the Euros. Okay, I think I genuinely believe this. That if you take it back, take it back twenty years, look at you what, look at what happened, France, they. Did they win the Euros and then went, they went on to win the World Cup, or they nearly won the Euros and then they went on to win the World Cup? Oh, wait, two years later. Yeah, yeah. Or 98, 98, 98, 98, uh, 96, 98. Or 2000. 2000 they won it in 2000. 2000. Yeah. 2000. Yeah. 98, 2000. Yeah. After a controversial semi final with exactly. Portugal in that game, so they didn't really walk that tournament. I think that if the similarities between this team and uh, their team back then is very, very similar, so I'm going to go for either France to come very close to winning it uh, and lose out in the semi-final or the final and maybe if, if it's not them it's going to be uh, Belgium mm-hmm. uh, but they'll go on to win the World Cup in two years time if they don't win this Green. I'm going to go Belgium Belgium because Hazard has something to really really prove this this summer he was beyond shocking two, two years ago he's beyond shocking this season um, he needs to step up it's that part of the time in his career where he needs to, to get going mm. and I think he knows that now you saw the relief with his two goals that he scored um, at the weekend I know it was only against Bournemouth in a nothing game but uh, Kevin De Bruyne I, my prediction for next year is going to be the PFA player of the year the worst uh, thing that could have ever happened for Ireland's campaign this year is, is Kevin De Bruyne, Kevin De Bruyne coming, coming back. back yeah definitely I think Kevin De Bruyne is and I think the best thing could possibly be Courtois getting injured after seeing Mignolet's performance <laughs> on Saturday Fellaini uh, absolutely <sighs> he's their top scorer he, he'll, he'll probably will get a game um He's their top current scorer. Uh, with he's all got the elbows as well. Yeah, he's got elbows as well, which is needed. You need a hatchet man in every every winning side. Um, they've got a great centre half partnership. Whoever it decides to be, if they shift someone onto the right, 
Um, you know, they got Rennie Nangalin, they've got Axel Witzel, they've and then their strikers, Origi is in absolutely fantastic form. Uh Lukaku has been uh probably the second best striker mm. in the Premier League this a uh, third wow. third best striker in the Premier League this season. But like with the season that the two others are having Kane and Verdi, that's nothing to be ashamed of. Mm. Um and then, you know, they've been so disappointing the last the last campaign narrowly they, they fluked it to a quarter final mm. uh, USA I know Tim Howard had probably the best day a keeper, goalkeeper could have that day but I think I think it's Belgium's year I think it's time they step up as from boys and turn into men I have to completely agree with you I'll be going for Belgium on this but um, just in the spirit of how silly this tournament can get we saw Denmark not even qualify in 1990 <laughs> and go on to win it we saw Greece in 2004 if you were to call a wild card who would win this tournament just who is not one of the favourites a dark horse the darkest of dark horses because you know history does kind of dictate that the most random teams can win this tournament yeah um, oh you put me on the spot now. dream too far for Iceland do you know who I um, yeah I don't think that can happen I don't, I, <laughs> I'm, I don't, I'm afraid I'm not even going to go that far I don't think that can happen them. they're not they're not one of the bogey teams like Greece you or think Switzerland or Austria could be in with a show no you know who it is it's Poland Poland. I think Poland are the team. I, I think, think they're think very Robert solid. Robert might drag them through. They have a leader. They have a. Oh, Robert is, oh, f- what a striker he is! Like that that header in against mm. Ireland, that bullet, absolutely swift. His movement. When it is looked brilliant. like there wasn't power to generate. Exactly. On it. I don't know how we did it. Uh, it was a sixteen-yard header. Absolutely <laughs> brilliant. Uh, I think Italy. Italy. At the risk of of putting putting Ireland out another the, team with the, a track record for I mean, being able to do these kind the, of yeah things. exactly the hypothetical world that Ireland won't win the Euros I think uh, Italy always turn up at big competitions and always find results brilliant right, that's it lads thanks very much oh, thank you well let's see you at the Euros see you at the Euros lads I won't anyway <laughs> I'm 50 and I'm going to France <laughs> <laughs> I will love it if we do it. Oh, yeah. yeah. oh, well, I wish we are.